Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Hi, everyone. It's Kelsa, today's host of The Saver and The Spender. I have with us today Lauren Fontira, the founder and visionary of the badass online platform and sisterhood known as The Real Female Entrepreneur, which I just love that. (laughs) Her podcast reaches thousands of women at all stages of business through real, honest, inspiring conversations with both high-profile and newly emerging female entrepreneurs. And when she's not in front of her computer, you can probably find her pretending to be the next contestant on the Great British Baking Show or some other food-related TV contest. This is something that, Lauren, you and I do not have in common. I do not want to be in a kitchen, period. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like my happy creative space. Like, I'm, I'm 0% artistic. When it comes to food, I'm obsessed. Really? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. I do not share that talent or skill with you at all. Or desire even. I don't think you have the desire. <laughs> so thank you for being on our podcast. Uh, share with us what the fe- Real Female Entrepreneur Podcast is all about. Yeah. So um, the podcast and the platform is all about pulling back the curtains um, and sitting down with women at really all stages of business. So from several months in to a decade in, you know, running a, a seven-figure incredible business, um, pulling back the curtains and sharing the stories behind their successes. So the failures, the fears, the doubts, the funny mistakes that were not funny when they actually happened. (laughs) Um, All of those things that are such an intrinsic part of being an entrepreneur and building a successful business that, that, that we don't often see in the quote unquote success stories. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I know a lot of my clients want to have either like a side hustle or they want to try a new endeavor or they have this idea that they would love to try and follow through on as far as entrepreneurship goes. But when they compare their journey to like what's out there, which they think they got to have the entire plan figured out, they have to know what step one, two, and three all are in sequence. And when they don't, they feel like they must be doing something wrong or I'm dropping the ball or I'm bad at this or any number of things. When really that path to entrepreneurship is quite messy oftentimes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, it's filled with a lot of messy action. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, I think that the good thing is that your podcast brings that to the forefront and says, yes, it happens, but it shouldn't stop you necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? Like move through it. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Yeah. And and that was the message that I needed, um, gosh, four or five years ago when I was running my first business, because I, I didn't have access to any of these conversations. At the time, I didn't hear any entrepreneurs saying this stuff. And so for me, it was, it was such a hard experience that I did like the, the hard parts of trying to grow a business and also dealing with your own like crap and the fears and the doubts, um, and the uncertainty, which is just so overwhelming sometimes. Um, I felt like I wasn't cut out for it. And then when I started hearing more stories, like what I share on the podcast now, um, it did. It gave me that. It's like, it was like the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, okay, this is hard, but it was hard for her too. I can do this. Yes, exactly. So how has the podcast um, transformed over time? So the initial intent of it and the initial mission, is it similar to what it is now or ha- has it grown at all since how it first was inception? Yeah. Um, I would say it has evolved 
in that the core message of the podcast, the core meaning and vision behind it is still the same. And that is to pull back the curtains and share the, the behind the scenes stories behind our successes. That was a lot of behind the stories behind the successes. There we go. Um, but what has changed and, and the way that it has evolved, um, is actually was a huge part of a rebranding I went through about six months ago. So when I first launched the podcast, it was called the grit and glitter podcast. And I was doing what I'm still doing today, which is sharing these behind the scenes stories. But I rebranded about six months ago to the real female entrepreneur and what inspired that evolution of the brand really was um, what I started noticing as I was becoming more active in the female entrepreneur spaces um, online and other platforms that were featuring these stories. And what I was noticing is that a lot of the stories being shared and a lot of the women being highlighted and celebrated were this one size fits all version of the female entrepreneur. Um, there wasn't a lot of room for diversity and, um, hearing different women and and seeing different women and celebrating those different women. And so the podcast has, has evolved in a way that I'm, I'm still sharing those same stories, but a huge value of mine and the brand is to share those stories from a diverse multifaceted group of women. I love that you've recognized that. You know, that you saw that happening and instead of, you know, maybe not being aware of it, you decided that you were going to offer something different, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Well, I, I feel like I, I just learned so much from the women who've come on the podcast and that's really what inspired it and opened my eyes to it. Yeah. And I don't, I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but the way I found your podcast sort of stumbled on it and it was because you interviewed somebody that I'm very close to a good friend of mine. And, uh, so of course I watched the episode that she was on and then I just kind of kept listening and I am, I just loved it. I, I felt like I could connect. There were different parts of my journey. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years now and there were times depending on who was talking and who you were interviewing that I was like, I was her at one point and I was her at one point and I had been her at one point, you know, like it felt like I had connected to each of them in like a very small way, but across yeah. all of them. That's so cool. It's so good to hear that too. <laughs> yeah. And then of course I reached out to my friend and was like, I think you know her. Can you introduce us? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and alas, we are here. Right. So, right. Um, what, what are some of the similarities that you've seen across the entrepreneurs on your show? Yeah. Like, 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 what similarities specifically? Struggles? Yeah, like what challenge? Do you see anything that they all seem to face or they all are feeling challenged by? I have a couple of thoughts, but of course I'll mm-hmm. like let you answer first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this was the one question. It's funny. I normally go into interviews not prepping at all. Um, but this was the one question I really did have to sit back and think about for a while, because at this point I've interviewed, I should, I should know the number, but it's at least a hundred women on the podcast. And then, you know, dozens of other conversations I've had with women who listen to the podcast or running their own businesses. Um, and the interesting thing is like, our stories are so unique to our own journeys, but there are these very common similarities, um, that you see like these threads that run through all of our stories, no matter what stage of business you're at. Um, and so as I sat back and and thought about it, there were a few, the first one that comes to mind that I've heard women share again at all stages is this sense of unworthiness. And the interesting thing is that like, this is not, 
um, just specific to, to someone newly starting out. I see it with, with women who are newly starting out, this unworthiness of like, who am I to, to, to step up and call myself an entrepreneur, to take on this role of business owner, to, to be a coach, to lead, to be that expert, right? Like I don't have that experience. But then on the flip side, these women who have quote unquote made it right. And like built these successful businesses and are, are doing what they dreamed of doing. They also share this sense of unworthiness. And I actually had, um, an entrepreneur, a lady come on the show recently who said just that she's like, you know, my business grew really quickly. And a lot of times we focus on the struggles of when your business grows slowly, hers happened to grow really fast. And there was still this sense of inherent unworthiness. Like, why me? Like, why, why, why did I have this type of growth? You know, who am I to be working with these clients and making this kind of money, right? Like, what did I do differently? So that inherent sense of unworthiness, I see a lot, which is just, it's hard because in order to build and grow a business, um, like it requires that confidence and that belief in yourself, right? Um, Tied along with the unworthiness is we're going to throw out this like word or phrase is imposter syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, Um, all the time. Yeah, and again, that's another one that I have seen um, stay true for women really at all stages. So of course, like when you're just starting out, you're like, oh my god, like someone's going to find me out. I was just reading an interview actually, not on my platform, but on another platform the other day, and someone was saying that like they, I don't know, at least a decade in, and they're like, I'm still kind of like looking around, waiting like for someone to find me out and be like, she's just faking this, you know, like, and she'd actually built and started this really successful restaurant. So, um, I think that imposter syndrome and unworthiness are like closely tied together, but I think, so go ahead. That comes back to the fact that like when you're an entrepreneur, it's never the same from one year to the next, or even one month to the next. I feel like you're always trying to grow your skills or your offerings, your programs, even a restaurant is like trying to change up the menu periodically. So because of that, you're always stretching yourself. And then, so then that imposter syndrome always creeps back in and is like, well, now this next step, no, you, you're back where you should have been. Like not this next step is like, now you're an imposter again. And you have to continuously battle with that. Yeah. And you know, you just made me think about something else. I think that's a part of this. When you think about our society at large, it's very much built on this clear structured system, Mm -hmm. right? From education to careers. Like when you're working for a company or corporate world, you know what the next step is or the next stage, you know what you have to do to get there and to accomplish that. And you have peers and colleagues around you to compare yourself to, right? So it's like, oh, well, you know, VP, like they've been working, they've been in the industry for 10 or 15 years. I'm only here too. So, you know, not my time yet. Right. But you have this sense of comparison where as when it comes to entrepreneurship or doing your own thing, like that compare, goes out the window. Like you do it a lot, but it's, it's impossible to compare yourself to someone else in their journey because we're all at so like different points of the journey. And like, we're dealing with our own struggles and there's so much story behind the story that we're actually seeing. Um, and so I think not having that structure makes it really hard to figure out like, am I at that place where I should be, which again, getting rid of the shoulds, you know, but I think that as humans, we try to create the structure for ourselves that feels safe and makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think one of the similar similarities that I've seen on the interviewed podcast guests on your show is there's at some point when they're first starting off, usually there's a feeling of being alone or that you have to, there's, it's scary to like tell somebody I'm going to do this or telling your spouse or telling a family member or a friend, like I have this idea and I want to do it for a living. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like there's this point where, like I said, they feel very alone in this dream or this desire that they have. And they have to sort of like that initial plunge is like a huge leap of faith. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this feeling that, I mean, maybe this kind of the same thing imposter syndrome, not being worthy, where they haven't yet defined themselves at whatever it is they want to be doing. So it's like, I want to do X or I want to become a financial coach, let's say, but they don't say I am a financial coach, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's sort of like this feeling of like, they're not really identifying with it yet. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who may even have already started that thing. And they're like, I still haven't announced it on Facebook. I still haven't told my family or my friends I'm really doing this. And and they may be several months into it. (laughs) That's exactly what I mean. It's almost like they're keeping it close to their chest or they're sharing it with strangers who don't know them yet. And mm-hmm. so they can feel like, this is who I am with them, but yeah. I'm not this person yet with my family or something. There's always this feeling of loneliness on the onset, which I just think yeah. it's good to have that awareness. Because again, imagine if you're feeling that and you're not aware that other people feel like this too, mm-hmm. then you're feeling even worse about yourself. Like, oh, you're starting to think, should I, I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this isn't right for me. And you start to like look into it even more than it needs to be looked into. Yeah, I totally agree. I think another thing too that came up for me when I was thinking through this, you just kind of hit on like when you talk about that imposter syndrome and like not actually owning like I am a financial coach or I am a photographer. Um, Another thing that I realized, and I think with this, I do see it change in the conversations, but for a lot of people starting out, you're, you're, you're going into this new area, like you're starting a business. You don't necessarily know like, what is my brand or who am I, you know? And so what I see is this very similar struggle we're going to go back to high school, like this struggle to own who you really are and be authentically you and your business and figure out like who that really is, right? Like you can't be the photographer for everyone. You can't be the financial coach for everyone. You can't create a podcast for everyone, right? So like who, who is your niche and where is that safe space? And so a lot of people that are just starting out, find those leaders or those people they look up to and admire and almost mimic like, or try to mimic their path. But then you get to this point where it's uncomfortable and like that shoe doesn't fit. Right. And so you have to like come into like what type of financial coach or podcaster or photographer, like business owner, are you really going to be? Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to comparison. And I've often said that comparison is the thief of joy. It's, you know, I try really hard. I don't go and look at other financial coaches' websites or their blogs, or I'm sure they're great, but I have to just trust that what I'm doing is working. And I, I could easily get distracted, like bright, you know, oh, look at that shiny object over there. Like, oh, I want to do that. And I want to do that. And I want to do that. As opposed to just saying like, here's what I want to do. Here's who I am as a financial coach and allowing myself to not compare what I'm doing to other people who have really great ideas too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, I've struggled with comparison a lot and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast who doesn't struggle with it. But I also think it's this fine balance because if you are starting a business and you have no idea, like, let's just take, you know, photographer, for instance, you have no idea how to, how to, how to start and build this business. And so there is this phase of that, like place in your career where you are looking around going, wait, okay, how do I do this? Um, how do what, what do, what do photographer websites look like? Like, how are they doing pricing? How do you even work with clients? What platforms are they using to, you know, take payments and, and send invoices and contracts? And so there is this place of like, I, I did this very early on with podcasting, like, how do other podcasters do this, right? Like what does the layout of their podcast actually sound like? But then there had to come a place where I cut that off 
And then I fully like came into myself and owned and owned what I was doing and said, okay, I got to figure out the rest here. But you do, I think for a lot of people really early on, it is hard because you're looking around and trying to see what other people are doing and how they've done it like similar to you, which can be helpful and can give you some great leads. But then at the same time, I think you hit this point where the comparison becomes too much and it's no longer helpful. Or it's like information Mm -hmm. paralysis, right? Like you you skip too many ideas and you just then can't decide. Or you tell yourself that I'm in research mode and you're in research mode for five years. And really you just need to make a decision and know that you can change it. Mm -hmm. That is the other sort of note that I had about your podcast and the people you interviewed is that at some point they all changed a big part of their business. So they set out to do one thing and it morphed into something better usually. So Mm -hmm. because of that, it's like, I usually tell people like, grant yourself permission to change your mind, Mm -hmm. right? Like just go into entrepreneurship saying that like, whatever I'm saying I'm going to do right now, it could work beautifully. And if it doesn't, I'll change my mind. I'll change it. Right. Yeah. And that's really hard. I think for like personality types, like I'm a perfectionist. I want to have, like I said, the next five steps figured out before I take the first step. And if I'm not careful, I can almost like keep pushing when right away I can tell if it's not going to work. And I just need to allow myself, grant myself permission to just like change my mind. Yeah. It's an evolution. And I think you have to look at your business that way. Just like you as a human are evolving. So too is like your business or your brand. And the people, I I can think of very clear stories when you like reference those conversations on the podcast who've come on and talked about how their business or brand has evolved. And you know, the other thing all of those people have in common is that decision came from their gut. Like they, in some way, reference it that way. Like it just felt right. I couldn't tell you like, you know, why exactly it was going to be the right decision. I just knew it was right. And so I think that as a business owner, like you have to trust that gut instinct and know that like, despite the books and despite what everyone else says, like you inherently and intuitively know what's best, even though it's going to feel terrifying. Yes. That's such a good point. Yes. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Um, How has your own perspective on entrepreneurship changed since doing your interviews? It's, it's, it's humanized it for me. (laughs) Um, because for, for a long time, and I still do this today. Like, I mean, I have these conversations multiple times a week and I will still find myself reading someone's story or hearing some business success story or learning about some new entrepreneur and dehumanizing them. And by that, I mean, you, you, you take away this human, human element of forgetting that there's struggle, forgetting that it wasn't just this overnight success, that it hasn't always been easy, that even still now amidst the success, it's may not, it may not be easy. Um, every time I go into one of these conversations, though, I'm reminded that these business owners are human beings, right? And they're like trying to balance life and families or partners or like other like aspects of their life alongside these businesses. And their business does not always go the way they expect it to. Because again, we're so caught up in our own lives, right? And it's just so easy to think that we're the only ones that are dealing with those things or that our business is the only one struggling right now, whatever that is. But doing the podcast has really created this human or brought back the human element for me when hearing business stories. That's beautiful. And I can, that's one of the reasons why I like your podcast so much and why I hope others will tune into it. Because I think if you have a desire to start your own business or side hustle or, you know, take a hobby that you're doing now and make it more of a business, I think that that's a really great place to start to build confidence and just know like, here's some of the experiences I might have along the way. And I know that it's going to going to be normal if I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, 
let me just read this next question here. Oh, yes. Okay. So one of the other common threads that I notice with your entrepreneurs is this need to just start exploring. So the reason I think this is important is because so many people have an idea of what they want to do, but they don't know the exact first step, right? Or they don't know what they're going to do with it first, second, third. And one of the things I noticed with so many of the people you interview is that that's actually how it starts for just about all of them. And they just start experimenting. They just start saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And they just sort of like test it all out in a very organic way. Have you noticed that? I'm think I'm trying to think through like when when you say that I guess I think about it a little differently in my mind in that like I'm like yeah I think that's such a part of it right it's a part of the evolution cuz I don't think that everyone necessarily goes into it going oh I'm just testing it out like a lot of people go in and it it's like this is what I'm doing but then as you learn and as you grow it slowly evolves and it becomes this you come to this place where you realize okay this first thing isn't working so i have to evolve and change but i think that like if you talk to a lot of women who are starting out even if they knew in the back of their minds like oh my god i don't know if this is like going to work out the way that i think it's going to they're not necessarily saying that out loud like they're, oh, they're trying to go into it confidently but that evolution is such a huge part of it yes yeah. And this is where, yeah, I guess my point is that like they, they just jump in and sort of go with it, you know, like they don't have it all figured out necessarily, or they might feel like they do, but then it has evolved so much for all of us. I think most of us, like what we set out to do, it changes very naturally. And yeah. so, but really the, what starts that change is just starting. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. very first step sort of thing. Yeah. Um, as an entrepreneur yourself, Lauren, what is your biggest challenge? the doubts and the fears. (laughs) And I laugh whenever like anyone asks me that because the whole, my biggest challenge as an entrepreneur is exactly why I created the podcast and the platform that I have today. And it's why I continue doing it because I still need to hear these stories. Um, when I was starting and running my first business, I laughed because I'd graduated college with a degree in like business and entrepreneurship. And I was like, watch out worlds. Like, where's my Forbes feature? I got this all figured out, you know? And um, then I realized a, how hard it is to grow a successful, profitable business. But the thing that I did not expect, like I was sitting here trying to do these like SWOT analysis and like, what are my competitors doing and how can I do it differently? You know, like all the stuff that I thought was like supposed to be the hardest part of running a business. And that was not at all the hardest part. And I don't think it is for any business owner. I think what the hardest part is, is what's going on up here. Like the doubts and the fears and the insecurities and the things that you're too scared to say out loud because you're afraid they might discredit you. Like that has been, and it still continues to be the hardest part for me, which is why I'm so grateful <laughs> that I have so many women like willing to come on the podcast and share these stories because they're a constant source of inspiration for me to continue going forwards because they constantly remind me that I'm not the only one. And how long has the Real Real Female Entrepreneur podcast been around? Like how long has this been your project? Two years. Two years. And in like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing this for 10 years now and I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, that I, those doubts never go away. Mm-hmm. And I have a really great example. So in December, we, had, um, we have like a group coaching program that we offer for people who are doing really good things with their money and they just want reinforcement. And uh, they, 12 of them, which is a big chunk of the group entirely, was coming up. Their contract was expiring in December for a January 1st start. Okay. And... I could tell you right now that all 12 of them renewed, 
right? And it was awesome. And I was so excited. And it's one of those things where I could, I could share that that's the story I would share in like a Facebook group to a bunch of business owners, right? Is the success side of that story. But what I'll tell you today and what you sort of peel away in that curtain on your podcast is that I'll tell you for a month, the question of, well, what if nobody renews, honey? Honey, what if nobody renews, right? Like those were the thoughts that I had. Yeah. Completely irrational, obviously, because literally all 12 of them did renew, right? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing and I love it. And at the same time, those doubts, like were definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got a phrase from you for, for you from yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah. <clears throat> like when you say this, I'm like, so I've been doing sponsorships on the podcast. And again, anytime you do something new in business, it's kind of a test. It's like an experiment. You're like, how is this going to work? I don't really know. Is it going to grow great? Here I am selling this thing. I don't even know how it's going to turn out. So I've been doing um, sponsorships for a few months. And as my business continues to grow, there's this series of, again, it's like a roller coaster. Like one month I'm like, this is going great. And the next month I'm like, oh my God, like, are the sponsors happy? Is anyone going to like sponsor sponsor the podcast again? And um, so I was sending emails, checking in with sponsors from the podcast, just trying to gauge like, is this working? Are they having a good experience? How can I do this better? Are, are the ads converting? Like the most important question for them, right? Um, and there was one sponsor who was the first sponsor to ever believe in and invest in the podcast in an ad spot on the podcast. And um, they had had like a handful of cells. They were still happy with it early on, but like when their ad in, ended, it was like a handful of cells. And it was now like two months later. And when I checked in, like the number that they sent me of people who they had signed up, it blew my mind. And I just, I started crying immediately. I am not, like, it was like happy tears and sad tears. And like, what I realized is that I'd been like bottling this up. Like, oh my God, like I suck at this. It's not working. The sponsors aren't happy. No one's converting it. They're not having a great ROI. Like what am I doing? And then to get that email, like in the midst of all of those doubts, you know, confirming that what I believed to be true was wrong was just such a, it was such an incredible feeling. But again, it's like this roller coaster, you know, like it's like one emotion, one minute and another, the next. (laughs) It's it's amazing to me how we doubt ourselves so much. And I I do think this is very unique to females mostly, right? I mean, it really, I'm not saying that men don't feel it at all because of course that's not true, but it's Mm -hmm. heightened, I think within females. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And we have, uh, you know, one of our sessions is called the Eureka session and everybody gets a feedback form after the Eureka session to give us feedback on like, how did you think the session went and was it valuable for you and all of that. And whenever someone fills it out, I get an email with their responses. And the subject of the email is Eureka feedback received, right? So I know. And I, every time one of those come in, like my stomach drops. (laughs) I can like feel it for you. I'm like, oh my God, me too. And one, I shared this with one of my business coaches one time and she said, Kelsey, before you open the email, you need to tell yourself like, this is going to be good. And if it's not, I'm going to become a better coach because of it. Right. Which is so true. Right. And I, and this is where this still happens till this day that my stomach drops and mind you, I'm, I have a hundred percent satisfaction after a Eureka session, a hundred percent. And that's not me just like tooting a horn. That's the hundred percent accuracy that everyone's really happy. And yet still, so you would think I have this proven record to like prove this doubt wrong that that's going to happen. And yet every time that email comes in and I see it, I'm like, Oh God. Right. (laughs) I have no idea. It's so stupid. Right. Do you know what's like equally like one of those things where you're like, why am I doing this? After I got that email yesterday, I kept waiting for them to reply back and be like, 
sorry, we sent you the wrong number. <laughs> I, I swear to God, even today, like I, I would get so excited and I'd be like, oh my God, what if they made me back? And they're like, actually, no, that's not how many people like signed up. You know, like I kept, it's so interesting because I had this proof in front of me and yet I was waiting for them. Like, haha, just kidding. No. Right. You're like, sorry, you know, we lied, you know, oh my God. So it's just, it is interesting how we do this. I like what you, I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by what you said about the men versus women thing, because in the back of my mind, I've always been like, oh my God, I would love to have a podcast like the real female entrepreneur for males, because there is nowhere, like at least right now where it's like, come no. on men, let's, let's, let's get real, you know? Um, but like, as my husband, he's always worked in the corporate world, but he's, he's thought about and had lots of different ideas and kind of moved forward with some of them for his own entrepreneurial thing on the side. And it was interesting because he was going through this about a year ago. And I swear to God, Kelsa, like the, in a week's period, he was doing this whole roller coaster again, where I was like, one day, like I can do this. And the next day, like, oh my God, this idea sucks. And I would laugh, like, see, see, like, this is what I experience on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm curious, you're right. This might be a total stereotype that I have. So now you're your next project, Lauren, is that you need to create an entirely new brand for males only. Right. And uh, we, we have to test this and see. And I also think, yeah. I mean, I'm married to like the most laid back guy ever. So I feel like half the time he's like, don't worry, it's fine. You know, <laughs> stop worrying. I, he like doesn't worry ever. And I think that's like my impression, of course, is yeah. him. So um, yeah, I would be really curious to see. Um, so for anybody listening, men, let us know, like if you really yeah. do feel this way or if, if, what we're talking about, you're like, man, women are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I even like back in college, I was all consumed by just having these like real conversations. It looked totally different back then, but I had this YouTube channel and I had all my girlfriends do a series with me called like, what is confidence? And we would talk like what confidence really is, but like what it also felt like to not have confidence. Excuse me. And then I asked all of my guy friends to do the same thing. And it's funny because I'll go back and watch that video. But again, it was interesting to hear them say things that because of these like male versus female stereotypes that we have in our mind, you wouldn't have expected them to say, you know, but it's like, even as a guy, um, like confidence wavers, you know? And so I do think it would be interesting to do. Yeah. It would be really good. Um, what is your biggest accomplishment so far with the Real Female Entrepreneur Podcast or brand, I should say, because it's so much more than just a podcast? Mm-hmm. Mm. You didn't know I was going to ask you this question. I kind of pulled this. I question. did, and when I'm like, you know, sometimes like you have like a million ideas flood your flood your brain. Um, like the first thing that came to my mind is just the notes that I get from women who listen that are telling me like how much the podcast has impacted them. I, a year ago, I lived in a neighborhood, met a girl at a Starbucks. Obviously we talked, she learned about the podcast. And then like a week later, Josh and I are walking out, walking the dog and she pulls her van over, like almost onto the sidewalk, like stops us and is like, Oh my God, like tells me about one of the episodes she just listened to and the stories of another woman who came on and shared her story and how that episode inspired her to quit her job go back to working part-time and actually like pursue her business, like starting a business. And so like hearing stories like that and knowing that it's doing for other women, what I wanted it to do for me too, is just, that's really cool. And like, at the end of the day, like I try to remind myself of that, like even when I have doubts and stuff. Um, But yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. I think if, when I think more of like a solid accomplishment, I think it would be my rebranding though, because that was such a huge undertaking. And at the time it was like, oh my God, is this going to be like five steps back before I can take another 10 steps forward? Because just like rebranding the podcast and everything, but 
I feel like this new brand is so much more in alignment with what I'm doing. And it was such a huge learning experience for me to like rebrand something. Um, yeah, that would be another one. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. with that being said, the new rebrand, tell us where do you see the real female entrepreneur going into 2018 and beyond? Yeah. So this is the first year that I actually have seasons mapped out for the entire year. <laughs> I know like in years before, again, this started as a passion project. So it's kind of just like go with it and let things evolve and figure it out. Um, so there's going to be four 10 week seasons of the podcast this month. And the ladies that are coming on are incredible. And I, I've also um, tried to work really hard to have even a more diverse spectrum of women. So women who have built like really, really successful businesses, women who are just starting out and then women in the middle. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then the new big evolution of TRFE this year is the sisterhood that launches next month in February. And it's really, if the podcast came to life and was a community, this would be it. And, um, I'm in the middle of finalizing all that and getting it all ready. And I'm just, I'm so, so excited about that. Is it something that's going to be virtual or in person? Or is there going to be like little hubs all over? What are you thinking? It's going to be virtual. We'll see how things grow. I would love for people to be able to meet up in person, but a lot of my community is all around the country and the world really. So, um, really trying to bring that like sense of a close knit community that you would have in person into a virtual space. Got it. I love that. Um, Tell people before we finish up here, tell them how they can find out more, listen to the podcast, Mm -hmm. stay in tune with all of the wonderful things that you're doing. Yeah. So the main hub is therealfemaleentrepreneur.com. You will be able to access the community there, find out about that, the podcast, um, email list. So all social media, you know, links are there as well. So everything's there on the website. If you're already on iTunes or a platform where you're listening to a podcast, you can search for the real female entrepreneur there and you can listen to the podcast. Let's, in case there's people who are uh, challenged like me, I'm better with numbers than I am letters. Let's go ahead and spell the world word entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there's a lot of things. I spell it wrong every time and like spell check corrects it for me. So (laughs) it's the real female and then entrepreneur is E-N-T. Okay, I need to look at this. Spelling out loud is like, yeah. Wait, what? What? You didn't uh, know that I was going to do this, so. I did not. Let me just spell it out so I make sure. I'm not just trying to say it in my head. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee again, Kelsa. Yeah. Um, okay. So the real female, female obviously ends with an E, and then you're going to write entrepreneur. E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. It's always the E. It's the E yeah. is first. And entrepreneur, I always want to put the U first, I think, at the end. Um, but it's entrepreneur. Yes. And you can, I even like with words like that, I just enunciate them really wildly. Like entrepreneur, near. <laughs> oh yeah, the E. The E goes first. I yeah. had a dream last night that, you know, I also have to really stop and consciously think about the word entrepreneur every time I say it. Like it's not an easy word, I feel like to say. It doesn't like roll off the tongue. And yeah. last night I had a dream that I, this entire podcast, I couldn't say the word entrepreneur. <laughs> so, I'm very glad. Well, you got it right every time. <laughs> I, think I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I overcorrected because yeah. I was so nervous. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got iTunes, Stitcher. Are you guys on Stitcher? Yeah, Stitcher, Google Play, like practically everywhere you listen to podcasts. You Facebook. 
Yeah, Facebook, you can search for The Real Female Entrepreneur. We're on there. Hey, Instagram. Your website, you've got profiles of women and pictures and all yeah. of that. Yeah, right? so that, yeah, if you're looking for a place, if you're like, okay, I want to see what other cool women are doing, like, especially if you're interested in launching a certain type of business and you want to see what else is out there or you're looking to connect with or work with female business owners, um, when you first go to therealfemaleentrepreneur.com, there is a directory on the front of the page. And very soon, there's going to be a search feature. So when you go there, you can actually search by category. Um, and find women who are doing very specific things. And that's actually going to be um, a part of the community. So all the women in the community will be listed there on the front page too. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. Um, anything else that you would like to share with everybody before we uh, close the podcast today? I just would say like whatever you're doing, like listen to your gut like follow that. It's scary. It's terrifying. Whether you're wanting to start something new or start a business, um, but just like listen to your gut. And then if you need more encouragement, come listen to the podcast. (laughs) It is a great place for encouragement. Like just digest a dozen of them really quickly and you'll feel so much less alone, I would say. Less alone for sure. So Lauren, thank you so much. Lauren from The Real Female Entrepreneur, the brand podcast, badass you know, online platform. We love it. So thank you for being on the saver and the spender. Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. It's been so much fun. Thanks for listening to the saver and the spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at I am fiscally fit and on Facebook at fiscal fitness PHX. Join us next time for another edition of the saver and the spender.